Hi, it's Jill Schlesinger, host of the Better Off Podcast. On today's episode, we've got summer travel tips with CBS News travel editor Peter Greenberg. Only 52% of available inventory is online. Do not kid yourself. You've been steered into thinking it's all there. It's not. It's only what the travel providers make available online. Here's a concept. Pick up phone, use fingers, dial, and talk to them whether that's an airline, a hotel, or a cruise line, because they have inventory there and itineraries there that they don't reveal online, which also includes on the airline level, the seat assignment. Welcome to the Better Off Podcast, sponsored by Betterment, the largest independent online financial advisor. All right, it's time for you to kick back. You cannot work all the time. You can't be so concerned about your career. You've got to take some downtime. And a ridiculous number of people do not take the vacation time that they are allotted. Something about this puritanical approach to work here in the United States. Take your vacation time. Unused vacation amounts to millions and millions of millions of dollars left on the table. So if you haven't done it yet, get ready to book your trip because we've got Peter Greenberg. He is the CBS News travel editor. Peter will take us across the globe and back to the United States. He'll also give you some valuable tips that may surprise you. So stay tuned. Check out the episode. And by the way, no question of the week because there's too much juicy stuff with Peter. Here's my interview with Peter Greenberg. You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. It is the summertime, which means I get to have one of my favorite segments, which is summer travel. And I look no further than to my friends inside the building at 524 West 57th Street, also known as the CBS News Broadcast Center. And for that, we have Peter Greenberg, travel editor of CBS News. PeterGreenberg.com is his website. Peter, welcome to Better Off. Well, thank you, Jill. And Peter, we start the podcast off every single guest appearance with the following question. You ready? I, I have no choice. What is the best financial decision you've ever made? Following the 1994 earthquake in Los Angeles in which I lost my house, I realized I wasn't going to be moving back there for a number of years because my house had to be bulldozed. So I said, what's the one industry that's dying right now where there's everything is for sale, they can't get what they need, I'm going to buy it right now? Yacht. You bought a yacht? I, I, that's, and I still live there today. You bought, You live on... I didn't know you live on a yacht. I live on a yacht in Los Angeles in Marina Del Rey. And, wow. And 23 years later, I'm still happy. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Okay, so that's a good decision. All right, let's get into it. It's 2017. The world's in disarray. People are freaking out about traveling. I know that you... You have so many uh, different aspects to your sort of your portfolio of travel. Give me like a broad brush. How are you feeling around international travel given terrorism and uncertainty? What What's up? What's going on out there? Should, what should we be worried about? If you take a look at how many American civilian travelers, tourists, have been killed by acts of political violence and terrorism in almost 30 years, it's under 1,000. Now, let's put this in perspective. Every single week in this country, nearly 800 of our fellow citizens are seriously injured or killed in accidents in their own bathtubs. So when you... Wait, t- wait what's that statistic again? Give that Every to me. single week in this country, 800 of our fellow citizens, in that average, yeah. are either seriously injured or killed in their own bathtubs. So when somebody says to me, you know what? I don't want to go there. I'm going to stay home because it's safer. I say, it's okay with me, but if you want to take a bath, you are on your own. <laughs> because let's face it, 
we don't pack enough common sense. And if we pack common sense, there are only four places in the world I wouldn't go. So, And that includes everything we've seen in the last couple of weeks. I was just in London. I was just in Istanbul. I was just in Rwanda. I was just in Paris. And I'm sitting here with you, happy and healthy. And the reason is because terrorists don't go for the path of most resistance. They go for the path of least. And so once there's an incident, this is going to sound politically incorrect, but it's pragmatic. Once there's an incident, it's the best time to go. All right. Let's start with your do not go list. Let's put it out there. Where sure. should we not go? One. Well, obviously Syria. Right. We're not going to Syria, even Parts, though, by the way, there are like beautiful artifacts in Syria. Still it's, left. It's yes. Ter- but you're terrible. not going there right okay. now. Okay. Next. Uh, parts of Chechnya. Okay. Parts of the Congo. Okay. And Camden, New Jersey. No, I'm just, Stop <laughs> it. No, no. With all due respect to my friends in Camden, you get the point. Yeah. I've now run out of places. Because, look, there are places in New York I wouldn't go after 8 o'clock at night, and there are places in Chicago I wouldn't go after at night. But it wouldn't mean that I wouldn't go to Chicago. And it doesn't mean I wouldn't stay hanging out in, in New York. And that's where Americans really allow their fear to mandate their decision-making, which is flawed at that point. You just got back from London and Istanbul, two of my favorite cities, and both under very different um, kinds of alerts. So let's start with London. We had this two, actually like a string, it feels like. So in the last year, London, it feels like from the outside, even though you're right, reality is not the case, but it feels like it's been under siege. How did you experience travel to London? Well, the Brits respond very well and very uh, commonsensically to this situation. It's part of our life these days. Now, I'm not saying we should ignore it, and I'm certainly not saying we should, like, poo-poo it. I'm just saying, let's be aware of it and then adjust to it. I had I felt no fear at all in London. I never have. Um, I never felt any fear in Paris. Paris, by the way, Paris is down about 22% right now in terms of visitors. What a great time to go. Is it cheaper? Well, the power of the U.S. dollar against the euro. My God, it's a 40% discount on anything you want. And when I say anything you want, what most travelers don't realize, it's not just about the cost of the airfare or the hotel room. It's the cost of a tube of toothpaste, a taxi ride, basic goods and services that the locals have to pay, which, by the way, they can't adjust the rates on. You're, you're getting a deal. So go out and have fun. All right. I love Istanbul. Yeah. Fantastic city. A little scary. So remember when I went there, I I talked to you about this. I went there, I believe it was in the fall of 2015. And I got back and it was that very first uh, domestic terrorist attack in Ankara. Right. But it seemed to be that things really escalated since then. And uh, when I was there, I was, our tour guide was wonderful. And, but she did talk a lot about how Erdogan was cracking down and there were series of bad things starting to happen. What was your impression of Istanbul on the ground? Well, let's start with the good news. The good news is the city is just as beautiful now. I was at San Sofia. I was in the Cistern. I went to the Covered Bazaar. I mean, all my favorite haunts. It was empty. Yeah, no one wants to empty. go there. Every single U.S. cruise line, every single international cruise line no longer makes it a port of call because their insurance companies will not bond them. Uh, tour groups are not going because their insurance companies won't bond them. There's fear again. However, you know what? Mm. I walked the streets. I didn't have a problem. I had a great time. Now, does that take away from the fact that I don't necessarily agree with everything the government is doing? Not in the least. I mean, you take a look at Egypt, Turkey, you look at the Philippines, and you're looking at three different governments that, that actually delight in putting journalists in prison. Not a good idea. However, for most people listening to this program, understand this. Nothing comes close to the economic power of travel and tourism. And if you don't have it, 
You can't build those bridges of peace. You can't wedge those those open doors. I mean, let's go back to ping pong diplomacy in China, and we, and we go everywhere since. And mark my words, we can say anything we want about North Korea right now, but I'll tell you what he's thinking secretly. He's cutting deals on the side, not with Americans, but with German companies and Swiss companies and Spanish companies to build up his infrastructure, because the only thing that's going to save that country is travel and tourism. Hmm. Name one thing the North Koreans produce that we consume in volume. Unless you're in the market for unreliable Scud missiles, right. the answer is zero. Okay? So Istanbul, a great bargain. Turkish lira down tremendously. Oh, yeah, devalued, yes. um, Anywhere in Europe. And are there other places in Europe that, um, you, when I spoke to you a long time ago, you were very high on Portugal. I, am, I, I just got back from there as well. It is even better than that now. Really? Yeah. Imagine a place that's got a high standard of living and a low cost of living. You can't get a better combination than that. Once again, a dinner for two um, is about $40, but at a great restaurant. You can't get anywhere near that. And uh, the fish there, the people there... Uh, the their their sense of service, their sense of honesty. You know what? I know why Americans go to France, and I know why they go to Italy, and I know why they go to Spain. They're all failed art history majors. I got it. But if you really want to have a wonderful time, you go to Portugal. Any other hidden gems? What about Northern Europe? I don't hear you talk about that so much. Oh, I'll give you some. Well, I won't give you just Northern Europe. I'll give you some northern parts of, of those countries I just mentioned. Everybody wants to go to Barcelona, Madrid, or even up to the northeastern parts like Valencia and San Sebastian. Hey, guys, do yourself a favor. Go to the northwestern part of Spain, in, in, in La Coruña, in the, in the Galicia. You have to pronounce it Ah, right yes, Castilian. The Castilian, the Galicia. Go there. Oh, my God, it's the best. And nobody goes. When somebody says to me, why, and these are usually people who live there, why would you go there? Nobody, we don't even go there. I go, that's why I go. All right. Yeah. And what about, what about some northern European? Well, welcome to the world of safe haven travel. The biggest boom in travel is to Oslo these days hmm. because people feel it's safe. Now, it's safe, but it is very, very expensive. You go there for an estimate for a Diet Coke. I'm just warning you. The most exp- You know how we do it? We do the Big Mac Index. The Economist yeah, does yeah, it every yeah. year. Most expensive Big Mac in the world, Oslo. I don't know. I don't have like a huge desire to go to Northern oh, Europe. Oh, it's so gorgeous. Really? Oh, my God. In do you have Sweden, to go on a cruise there? Or no. Not? All right, good. But in the summer, you can go on the, on the Norwegian mailboats. Yeah. Oh, my God. And how about this? Stockholm, the Stockholm Archipelago, 24,000 islands outside of Stockholm. Amazing. Okay. All right, I'm in. Uh, Would you go to Moscow and St. Petersburg these days? Uh, I would. I would definitely go to St. Petersburg. Uh, I mean, talk about... Named after you, of course. Absolutely. Right. But... And when you look at St. Petersburg, you're dealing with so many different islands. You're dealing with over 150 different museums. Think about that, 150 different mm-hmm. museums. And from St. Petersburg, speaking of Northern Europe, you can take the overnight ferry to Helsinki or to Stockholm, and it's phenomenal. Okay. Let me go into a different region of the world. Let's go to Zika land. Yeah. Give me a Zika update. Okay. Because a lot of people listening to this program, I know this, we have some young listeners. Yes. And young women have been warned by many of their doctors, if you are pregnant, thinking about getting pregnant, do not go to the Caribbean at all. Is that so? You know what? I would not argue with that except for the following. Look at the numbers. Look at the actual numbers. Uh, I've been to those places. I've been, I've been, you know, well, we could even start in Miami for that matter. But you can talk to Puerto Rico and you can talk. And their numbers just plummeted because of fear. Now look at the numbers of cases. If I were a young lass yes. and I was of childbearing age. Oh, but darling, age, you are a young lass. Yeah. Uh, I just wouldn't 
chance it? Where would I go otherwise? What if I want to go to like a nice warm weather vacation and there's no Zika worry? Where do I go? Well, in the Caribbean, you just go south of the hurricane belt to Grenada or down to Barbados, where you're not going to have a problem with with storms. And uh, the weather's great. What do you think about like in general of the um, sort of the Mexican... Um, safety factor. A lot of people get nervous about going to Mexico. Same thing. I'm going to do the fear stuff, then we're going to do fun also. Okay. But, but there are a lot of people who say to me, like, oh, I used to love to go to Mexico City, but I wouldn't go there now. Too violent. Oh, my God. If you happen to be a well-known drug dealer, that would probably be good advice. Um, <laughs> however, we are not the targets. It's Mexican crime against Mexicans. It's gang against gang. You know, in the last five or six years, we've had, I mean, it's a terrible statistic, over 60,000 people killed in the drug wars in oh Mexico. My God. How many Americans? I don't know. 22. Now, of the 22 killed, 19 of them were, were visiting American drug dealers. So the point is, look at the numbers. It okay. doesn't stop me from going there at all. It's great. Uh, if I were going to go to South America, where would I want to go? Well, Buenos Aires and Argentina for sure because the dollar is still so strong down there. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Chile. That little string bean of a country has everything from the, from the driest desert in the world, the Atacama in the north, all the way down to all the lake district outside of Santiago and then down south, of course, to Patagonia. Amazing. There's a little community on the coast uh, called La Serena, this little 19th century fishing village. I mean, if you go there, don't get mad at me when you move there. Oh, I like that. Yeah, That's yeah. a good one. Uh, all right. Now, I'm going to go uh, far afield to other continents, and then I'm coming back home to the U.S., okay. and then we're going to do some, like, real hardcore travel tips. Okay. I have been to Australia many times. I have family there. You, are you a fan or not a fan? Huge fan. Uh, and I've huge been, country, by the way. Huge country. I've been going to Australia since I was, gosh, 23. And Why'd you go when you were 23? Here's what happened. I was a correspondent for Newsweek. I never took a vacation because I couldn't. I was always on the road covering something. My very best friend was my biggest competitor from Time Magazine, and he had no vacation that he'd ever taken. One day, both magazines sent edicts out saying, if you don't take your vacation time, you're going to lose it. Uh Uh-oh. So we got together. We went over to his house, had a drink. I said, okay, spin the globe. Close your eyes, hit it, and that's where we're going. And he hit Australia. And And that's how we went. And where was your first trip? Where did you go first? We went first to Sydney, of course. And then uh, we went... Everywhere. And and like Tasmania. We went to places that other people didn't go in those days, like Perth or up to Darwin. Took the Indian Pacific train, the longest piece of straight railroad track in the world. It goes all across the outback. It's amazing. And it, it, imagine, you know, Miss Kitty and Marshall Dillon and, you know, Dodge City. It's out there, folks. You know, what's funny is that I've been to Australia so many times. And embarrassingly, I have never been beyond, really, Sydney or the Great Barrier Reef. Well, Check out Tasmania. Once again, this goes back to my friends saying to me, why would you go to Tasmania? We don't go. That's why. There's a museum down there called Mona, owned by just this wild, eccentric millionaire. And anything he ever likes is in the museum. You need to see this museum. Oh, it's like the Barnes Foundation in Philadelphia. Exactly. That's great. All right, Africa. If you had to pick one, it's a long schlep for a lot of people. Yep. Pick one place that gives you a great African experience all around. So it's not just the let's go and look at lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. Well, if that's the case, you're still in South Africa. You still have to go to Cape Town. You still have to go to um, Pretoria. And the reason why you go to Pretoria, which is the capital, is not to hang out in Pretoria, but to get on one of the most amazing railroad trips you'll ever take called Rovos Rail. Rohan Voss 
found these discarded, never-used train cars that were developed for royalty. They were just sitting on a siding. And he went to South African Railway and said, can I have them and make a trip out of it? And he found the old steam engines. This is out of Africa part two. It leaves from Pretoria, goes through Zimbabwe, and ends up at Victoria Falls. You need to take this. This makes the Orient Express look like ding-dong school. Trust me. And the Orient Express still, by the way, runs? It still runs. It still still runs from the, the, the station in Paris all the way to Venice. Amazing. Yeah. I loved South Africa. The wine country was phenomenal there. Amazing. I had so much fun. Amazing. And, and you go to Stellenbosch, and it's just, you, you can't get it. It's, it's, it oh, they, they do it right. Let's and just say that. if we bring it back home. Yes. Here in the U.S. Yes. Oh, Mark. Mark is now mad at me because I didn't ask you about Asia. Let's let's do Asia. We missed Asia. Well, yeah. so um, Asia is like a zillion different countries, right? So I'm going to give you my two cents, which is I thought of every single place I've ever been in Asia. I love Tokyo because it's such a wild place. It is. It's, and you feel so different. high energy. Yeah. I love Shanghai, though. That To me, that city is such a fascinating place. Shanghai, to me, is Asia body heat. Shanghai, to me, is you walk along the Bund and you just, it's sexy. Yes. It's sexy. And it's hot. And the restaurant scene is unbelievable. And the hotel scene is unbelievable. And the history is fascinating. The history is fascinating. And I went on that Jewish tour there. Oh, they have everything. There were a few Jews there for a while. Uh, Absolutely. I thought that Beijing was interesting. I can't say it was fun. You know what it is? You have to have an emotional connection. And to me, I have an emotional connection in Shanghai. Right. I don't have an emotional connection in Beijing. It's where the, it's where the embassies are, you know? Right. And yes, you go to the Forbidden City and you do the Great Wall. And if you're going to do the Great Wall, don't do a tour. Right. Here's what you do. You, you hire a driver and they're all going to look at you like you're crazy. You say to your hotel concierge, I'd like to hire a driver to meet me downstairs at four in the morning. And they're going to say to you, take our tour. No. Get in that car. Get to the base of the wall and you climb it in the darkness. And by the time you get to the top as the sun is rising, you're the only one there with a few elderly Chinese doing their Tai Chi and you have your moment. It's the best. And then as you start coming down, then you see the line of tour buses coming up with people screaming, Murray, you know, you're time yeah, to leave. Yeah. Okay. But you, there's another place in Asia I have to, I have to mention, and that's Thailand. And the reason why I mentioned Thailand and I'm partial to it in the interest of full disclosure, I also live there. Oh. I've had a place there since 1992. Funny you've never invited me. Well, you usually invite yourself. What are you talking <laughs> about? Um, and it's right on the river. It's amazing. There, you know, there's an old Groucho Marx line that said, I would never join a club that would have me as a member, right? And when you first come to Thailand, you're going to have that feeling like, why are they being so nice to me? They must be meeting somebody else named Greenberg. Then you find out it has nothing to do with you. It's who they are. They define and refine hospitality, service, style, Grace, I can go on. That's why I'm there. Once again, like Portugal, high standard of living, low cost of living. Shanghai, so China, Thailand. Um, what What about uh, South Korea? I love South Korea, especially if you get outside of Seoul and go down to Busan. Mm-hmm. Crazy place. Just absolutely crazy place on the coast. Uh, South Korea has turned it around. Their airline has turned it around. Great airline, by the way. Talk to me about um, if you want to do Vietnam. Well, here's why Bangkok comes into play. If you look at the map, Bangkok flight to Vietnam, 40 minutes. Bangkok flight to Cambodia, 40 minutes. Bangkok flight to Laos, 40 minutes. Use Bangkok as your hub and do two or three day trips like hub and spoke. You'll have a great time. Oh, that's interesting. Good to know. This is Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. 
Okay, we'll get back to the interview with Peter Greenberg in just a second. Now, obviously, if you're taking a vacation, hopefully you plan for that ahead of time. You put some money aside, you kept it in cash, you don't have it invested. But one thing that always strikes me as important is that you're not freaked out about your money while you're away. Boy, I'll never forget when my parents were traveling in Italy. It was the crash of 1987. They had to come hustling back. But that's because my father was in the business. Do you want to spend your vacation worrying about the highs and lows of the market? No, you do not. That's why you should be working with a company like Betterment. Betterment is the largest independent online financial advisor. Now, here's the beauty of Betterment. You don't have to freak out while you're in Bangkok on your hub-and-spoke trip through Asia. In fact, it's better to disconnect. You're going to get more out of your vacation. What would be nice is if you knew, oh, wait, Betterment's got my back. They're helping to improve my long-term returns. They're helping me lower my taxes for retirement planning. They're helping me build my wealth. And not only that, Betterment's got personalized advice for your financial planning needs. All you have to do is before you go away, before you book the trip, you go onto the website, you provide them with information. Then Betterment makes tailored recommendations on decisions like how much to invest, how much to put aside for my vacation, how much risk to take in your portfolio, the type of investment account you should have. And right now, Better Off listeners can get up to six months managed for free from Betterment. For more information, visit Betterment.com slash betteroff. Betterment. Rethink what your money can do. Okay, now back to my interview with Peter Greenberg. What's the trip that people don't take that they should take here in the U.S.? I just did it. I just did it. Camden, New Jersey. You're going to, well, we went by. No, actually, close to it. Nobody thinks about this, and they're not promoting it, which means do it. I took the Southern Crescent. What is the Southern Crescent, you might add? Mm. It's been around since 1849. It's a train that leaves New York's Penn Station at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and 30 hours later, you pull into New Orleans. You're going through 13 states, 33 different stations. You're in a sleeper car. You have a butler. You have a dining car. Wait a minute. A butler? What is this? This is not Amtrak. It is Amtrak. You have a butler on Amtrak? Absolutely. People don't know this. I'll give you another one. I was in Richmond, Virginia, doing my radio show and needed to get back to CBS. And the air service from Richmond to New York is terrible, and it's outrageously overpriced. So I checked the train schedules. Now, there's the Northeast Regional train that, that would stop in Richmond and stop in Washington, D.C. and come to Penn Station. It leaves at 5 in the morning, gets to Penn Station at 1 in the afternoon. And then there's the secret one. At 4.30 in the morning, show up at the station, and what shows up? Sounds like a bad Richard Pryor movie, The Silver Meteor. Ah. It starts in Miami. It's got butlers, sleeping cars, dining rooms, and you land at Penn Station at noon. So I had my own bedroom. I ate breakfast in style at less money than what Delta Airlines wanted to charge me to fly from Richmond to LaGuardia. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so that's your East Coast, couple of East Coast things. Sure. What about, let's go to the West Coast. What, what's the, what are some hidden gems on the West that people are not considering? I mean, everyone knows to go to the Grand Canyon or go to right. Seattle. Where, yeah. well, where are people Well, I'm going to go a little going? further north. It's the Canadian Northwest. It's, it's the Canadian Rockies. It's going across Canada in the summer. It's brilliant in Lake Louise, uh, in Vancouver, uh, and if you travel, once again, it's the trains. If you take a look at how the, how the Canadian was, Rockies were built, I mean, it was built by the trains, the old Canadian Pacific Railroad. And all those hotels, those beautiful old Grand Dame hotels all throughout Canada were where the train stopped. 
So it's the Hotel Vancouver. It's the uh, Banff Springs Hotel. It's the, the uh, in Frontenac in, in Quebec. It's, it's amazing. And you could have a, a great time. I've actually been to the Chateau Frontenac, I think maybe 40 years ago. But I'm just, yeah. I'm well, I read that, that police there. report. It's yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was young. <laughs> forgive me. As I said, I read the police report. All right, middle of the country. What should we do that we're not doing? And we know that there are big cities, but what are places that we're just missing? Well, there's one that consistently attracts me and I consistently go. It's the state of Wisconsin. Most people fly over it. They don't get it. They don't realize how beautiful it is. Uh, it's not just Milwaukee, which is an underrated city in the extreme, uh, right on the lake. But you also have one of the most beautiful cities in America, Madison, Wisconsin, surrounded by four lakes. Uh, always voted, consistently voted, not only just the best place to live, not only just the best place to raise kids, it's also even voted the best place to retire. It wins all three. What does that tell you? You're going to be a badger, whether you oh, like I, it or not. I, well, guess what? I am a badger. I have to admit it. I went to school there. There you go. Okay. okay. Let's talk about tactics now. Yeah. Because I feel like when you want to travel, you, you really have to kind of get your armor on and get ready to do it. So first, let me ask you your how you see Airbnb changing the landscape of this business. Well, it already has. And the reason why it is, is if you're a one-star hotel, uh, you can basically define your brand. Everybody knows what you're going to get, right? If you're a Motel 6 or a Hampton Inn, that's what it is. If you're a five-star hotel, you can also define your brand, and people know what they're expecting of you, right? What if you're a two- or three-star hotel? Once again, no emotional connection. You're always going to get disappointed. And the reason why people stay at those two- and three-star hotels is either they're addicted to their frequent points program or it's company travel policy, or there's a convention in town, and that's where the hotel is attached to the hip to the convention center. Nobody got up in the morning, with all due respect to the folks at Sheridan, but in my experience, nobody got up in the morning excited, emotionally thrilled to stay at a Sheridan, a Hyatt, or a Marriott, or a Hilton. That's because those are there. So where Airbnb has had huge inroads, right, and a huge impact is in those two- and three-star areas where people are looking for a more genuine, authentic experience in real communities with real people, where they can basically hope to get an emotional connection. That's where they're finding it. Are you a user of Airbnb, or are you more interested in doing the hotel thing just for work-wise? If I was going to stay in a city for more than five or six days, I'd do it in a heartbeat. But usually, as you know, Jill, I'm like hitting the ground running. I'm like, I'm there for 24 hours. I just need basic goods and services, connectivity, see you later, I'm gone. So, no, but if I was staying someplace for five or six days, why not? My, and by the way, Airbnb is just not homes. They're castles and lighthouses and villas. I mean, look at their listings. It's amazing. There are 8,000 Airbnb listings now in Cuba. And that's amazing because there aren't so many great hotels there. Which yet. is why the prices are so high, which is why so many people aren't going, which is why the airlines have cut back service because there's no infrastructure. The only guys who are going to do it well are the cruise lines because they're a floating hotel. They don't need a hotel. Interesting. What about in terms of searching for a hotel room versus an Airbnb? Do you, are there certain aggregation sites that you like better than others? Yeah, it's called Pick Up Phone, Talk to You. No, being. really. I, I mean, am, I'm not kidding Not you. Trivago or oh, look, whatever. Look, I'm not dumping on the websites. I'm putting them in, pro- in proper context. Only 52% of available inventory is online. Do not kid yourself. Mm. You've been steered into thinking it's all there. It's not. It's only what the travel providers make available online. So would you want to research online? You bet. I don't know why people book online because they could do it at 2 o'clock in the morning in their bathroom. They don't have to talk to anybody. God forbid they should have a conversation. You need the conversation. So research online. Then here's a concept. Pick up phone. Use fingers. Dial. 
and talk to them, whether that's an airline, a hotel, or a cruise line, because they have inventory there and itineraries there that they don't reveal online, which also includes on the airline level the seat assignments. Oh, if you yeah. go if you go on those seating charts on the line online, they're only designed in a calculated misery way for the upsell. Because they're only going to show you the available middle seats. Duh. Why would I want to do that? Pick up the phone and talk to somebody. So wait a second. Let's talk about that with the airline tickets. Yeah. Because you told me this a long time ago. And it I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, it actually works. Where you go online, not only is it a problem because you've searched a certain... You, you do a search and then you go back. Oh. And what happens when you go back? Well, we did that piece here at CBS. Uh, I was looking for a fare from New York to L.A., uh, because that's where I live, and I go back and forth here for CBS. And I found one, you know, 420 bucks. but I didn't know if I was going to come in the next day or the next day, because as you know, I had to find out if I was booked on the show. So I waited until 4 o'clock in the morning, L.A. time, to call the guys in New York to say, hey, am I still doing the show tomorrow? Yes, you are. I go back online, and it went up $70 in one hour. So when I called the airlines on this, they say, well, look, you picked a route that's very popular, law of supply and demand. We adjust our price based on demand. I said, okay, I'll take you at your word for that. But the next night, I decided to put them to the test. This was back in November. I looked for a fare from New York's LaGuardia to Des Moines, Iowa on a Wednesday in March at 11 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Not Easter, not spring break, not the Wednesday before Thanksgiving or the Friday before Super Bowl, just an arbitrary no traffic day. I found a fare at 2 o'clock in the morning for $220. I waited an hour. I went back on my computer an hour later, and it went to 280 <gasps> Now, no one can argue that in that one-hour period, there were 50,000 deranged people who were just out of control wanting to go to Des Moines, Iowa, four months later on a Wednesday at 11 o'clock in the morning in March. The lesson to be learned here, which, by the way, means the lesson to be applied here, is if you want to research online and you want to go back an hour later, either clean out your cookies or get somebody else's computer because in the world of big data, they know you want to go. And they adjust accordingly. And they'll argue all the cases that they want that it's not true. Trust me, experientially, it is true. And to prove the point, obviously I didn't go to Des Moines, ever since last November, every Tuesday I get an email telling me about all the great things I can do in Des Moines. They still think I'm going. I'm not. Nothing wrong, no, with nothing, nothing wrong with Domain. Nothing wrong with Domain. Right. No. So calling the airlines works. Yeah, but here's how you call the airlines. Tell me. Okay, I'm going to be the airline. Where, where, where do you want to go, by the way? Uh, I want to go, hold on a second. Gonna, I want to go to San Francisco in. No, do uh, I, just say you want to go to San I'm Francisco. I'm going to San Francisco. Okay, so I'm going to pick up the phone. Um, I'm answering the airline okay. phone. And, okay. You say hello, okay. American Airlines. Well, I would do it even better. Good morning, Draconian Airlines. Can I help you? Uh, hi, uh, I am very interested in traveling to San Francisco. And when would you like to go? I want to go on uh, uh, Friday, July, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now you're in trouble. You gave me too much information, even in the best of intentions. You told me when you wanted to go. Now I can step you up. Here's how I do it. Okay. Now you be the airline. Okay. Hey, listen, I want to go from New York to San Francisco, but before you ask me when I want to go, can you please punch up on your computer every published fare you have on the New York San Francisco route? I'll wait. That will wait take... a minute, wait a minute. So I just I I have to ask for the published Every fare. published fare you have on your system between New York and San Francisco, I'll wait. You know how long that takes them to punch that up? How long? Six seconds. Okay. And now you say, Tim, do me a favor. Can you please scroll to the bottom of that list? Okay, what's that fare? Oh, that's 270 bucks. And what are the restrictions on that fare? Well, that's a YE2B79C fare. Only good on a Wednesday if your middle name is Murray and you have a snowmobile and you can hop. And you go, hold on a second. I can change my middle name to Murray. I can borrow stuff. I can hop. So what you end up doing is you decide the fare you want to buy as opposed to the one they want you to step up to buy. Ah, 
That's interesting. So you preempt them asking you the question, when do you want to go, and get the number of fares that they have on that route, and then start at the bottom and work your way up till you get one that you like. Is it worthwhile waiting to, I mean, to have something, to get some fare as a holder, right? Just get, get not a, you know, with a refundable ticket and then wait till the bitter end and try to find something cheaper, better, faster? No, no. no. Uh, right now, the computer systems are so sophisticated. The algorithms that they're using day over day, year over year, month over month are so advanced. No. The rule of thumb used to be anywhere from 45 to 54 days out because they're looking at computer models that let them know how many people flew on July 12th last year on that flight and how many two years before, and they adjust accordingly. But if the models don't hold up 45 days out, they start adjusting the fares either up or down. What if you have, you know you do have an actual deadline, you have to go to a wedding or something, that then you're kind of stuck with that date, no? You're stuck with that date, but not necessarily that airport. Think of alternate airports. Providence instead of Boston, Oakland instead of San Francisco, uh, Ontario instead of LAX. I mean, there are all sorts of ways you can do things that the airlines may not want you to do, but the fares are much lower. So are you saying that the dirty little secret of airfare travel, uh, of airfare booking rather, is that you really need to call? Oh, 100%. That's amazing to me. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And not only that, the same thing applies for hotels because you think it's just based on the rate. It's not. It's based on the value. So we're all looking for a great rate. You see all these ads all the time for Travago and everybody else. We're going to go you the best rate. Okay, maybe it's the best rate, but it may not be the best deal. And the reason is it can't answer questions like, can my kids stay free? Can they eat free? Will you throw in free parking? Will you get rid of the resort fee? Will you get, give me free Wi-Fi? Well, we're, hold on a second, second. Yeah. You can bargain with a hotel about that? Everything's negotiable. So I can call up the blah, 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 you know, ABC I hotel every day. and you every say, day. I don't want to pay the Wi-Fi well, no, no, fee no, no, no. or whatever. You don't, you don't say, I don't want to pay. You establish a nice relationship. You do what your mother told you. Get their first and last name, write a thank you letter, do right. all those things. But no, you have a conversation. You let them know that you're interested in staying at the hotel. And most importantly, you're interested in coming back. Hotels don't make money when you stay once. They make money when you come back and tell your friends. They get that. And then when you have that relationship with them, you could say, hey, listen, can you throw in the Wi-Fi? Can you throw in free parking? I was staying at a hotel in San Francisco. I was going to be renting a car. So I found a great rate on, online, but I didn't book it online. That was my starting point. Then I got on the phone, got a better deal with the hotel directly. But the conversation didn't end with the, with the rate. It was just getting started. Then I said, hey, listen, will you throw in the free Wi-Fi? Okay, sure. How about free parking? Okay. It was only when I was checking out of the hotel that I found that they were charging $42 a night for parking. I was there for three nights. That one phone call saved me more than 120 bucks. So, come on. Are you sure they didn't know that you were Peter Greenberg of St. Peter's Greenberg? No. No? No. All right. No. Uh, Last but not least, uh, on the travel side, what else do you think people need to know, let's say, if they're going to go on a road trip? They're going to do a staycation slash road trip. Well, by car? Yeah. Well, the good news is the gas prices are down. Uh, The good news is that accidents are actually down. People are driving better. GPS is helping us out a lot. Uh, but the thing is, is when do you want to get on the road? And I go back to my days in college when I used to pull all-nighters and do trips along the... Why do you want to travel during the day? No. You travel at night, right? First of all, you'll save on hotel rooms in many cases. And second of all, less traffic. And third of all, then you, you always pull over to a rest stop and sleep a little bit if you want or check into a... I know. You want pampering. I know it. I know it. See, my eyes are rolling, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, Jill's favorite word is garçon, but let's get out to that later. May may we. Yeah, See, I knew it. But what I'm saying is 
Be a contrarian. Go when people aren't going. It works out so much better. Okay, Peter Greenberg, petergreenberg.com, and, of course, the CBS News travel editor. Uh, Before we let you go, I asked you your best financial decision, and that was buying your yachet, your yacht. Yeah. Now, what was your worst financial decision? <laughs> well, it was actually laughable. You may remember a couple of years ago when the U.S. Postal Service announced their forever stamps. Yes. I thought, wow, this is great. And I went out and I spent $7,000 and bought these. Because I figured they're only going to go up in you know, right? They're only gonna go up in price. I still have them. Because well, <laughs> I haven't mailed that many letters. Yeah, that's the problem, you know? isn't it? Well, so maybe so you should start a secondary market for that. You could just sell them off. I'll be stub hope for postage stamps. What, what, what was the price per stamp on those? I think thirty-eight cents. Oh, so you're in the money. Oh yeah, of so course. go sell them for forty-five, and you're you're yeah, that, a winner. That, that's a prison sentence. Oh, all right. Yeah. Peter Greenberg, thank you so much. You got it. Great to see you. All right. Thank you to Peter Greenberg, the CBS News travel editor, and my pal. For more of Peter Greenberg's tips, you can go to petergreenberg.com. We'll link to that in the show notes. And thanks to you for listening. Don't forget, we've got our bonus episode that comes out on Tuesdays and the longer form every single Thursday. You can subscribe via iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Jill on Money. That's at Jill on Money. Just use the hashtag BetterOff. You can also reach me via email. Ask Jill at BetterOffPodcast.com. That's Ask Jill at BetterOffPodcast.com. And if you wouldn't mind, please leave us a review or a rating in iTunes. It really will help us out. Better Off is sponsored by Betterment. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Delercio produces. I'm Jill Schlesinger. See you next week.